All right, welcome to Last Ones at the Bar. Once again, this is the show where we rank our top 10 in different categories. This week, we got a special one for you. We're going to talk about the top 10 fighters from 2011 or 2010 until 2019. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm joined by two other gentlemen. Fellas, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, I'm Lavelle Jackson. Um, I've been a boxing fan since the 80s. Uh, been following it extensively within the last 15 to 20 years, and I'm just love talking boxing. My name is Daniel Lee. Uh, I've been a boxing fan for about 10 years, so um excited about tonight. And uh, well, what was that before we started recording? You said you were sipping on a smoothie. Yes, Man, I got this uh, this Malbec from Argentina. I'm sipping extra tonight because I feel good. It's my, as of this recording, not as of the day that this will post, but your boy turned 34 today, man. Okay. Who, you? Yeah. Happy birthday. I didn't know that, man. <laughs> Surprise. I want to. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, though. Okay. So is this the birthday show right here? Okay. What you say? You sipping on this a uh, red wine? I think I think it's like it's specifically like Argentinian, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Malbec is one of my my favorite reds. And you seem like the type that like fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could say that. Okay, okay. keep that in the episode too. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Oh man, so. Um, so again, man, congratulations on that. You know, I know that you um, you're turning up already, but you know, I just enjoy the weekend, and um, you know, hopefully this birthday, you know, presents you with an opportunity to, you know, get whatever it is that you're trying to achieve in life at you know on, on ten this year or even on a hundred this year. So, just wanted to tell you that as we start the show this week. Um, you know, as I said, we're going to discuss the, the top 10 fighters of the decade or of the past decade. But we're going to start off with a couple topics before we get into that. The first topic that we predetermined was the fact that we were going to discuss the controversial situation going on with Canelo Alvarez and the zone. One of you guys want to chime in on that topic there? Yeah, so I was, I was reading up on it earlier. Um, Canelo and DAZN did a deal last year, maybe, for a, a guaranteed payout of $35 million per fight. I think it was over the course of 10 fights, so that would make $350 million. Um, but DAZN is reportedly currently offering about half of that at the moment, so roughly $17 million a fight, which is still good money in the pandemic, but still not what they offered um, originally. And so they're kind of at an impasse about that. And in addition to that, there's a contractual verbiage that that states that Canelo is supposed to face one premier opponent um, in the two yearly bouts that he's obligated to compete in. And so, you know, as of now, you know, like nobody could have foreseen a pandemic when they signed the contract. But as it stands right now, he hasn't fought in 2020. And so for the zone, it's like, hey, you haven't fought that premier opponent or any opponent. And for Canelo, it's like, yeah, but you still offer me this money, though. So, like, you know, I don't really know what to say about it. But 
you know, he whatever whatever happens, he got to make if he fights in November, uh, which I think is the date that they push it back to. He's gonna have to make that fight count in order for them to, you know, at least begin to put that back on the table. So um, how that plays out, you know, you know how it is with boxing and money and and politics and all that stuff. So um, who can even call it at this point? Did you want to talk about that deal? Yes, I'll, I'll touch on it. Um, that situation, that deal uh, seemed funny from the, from the beginning. Uh, I knew that there was going to be some catches to it. I don't know exactly the particulars of it, but um, it doesn't really look uh, like a kosher deal uh, all around. And, and I, I also think that to be honest, I think Canelo's not even going to fight in November. I think Canelo eventually is going to fight probably uh, in May. That's 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 the the uh, Cinco de Mayo. That will be the next day, I believe. I, I think that November day is probably not going to happen. I think it's too much controversy. Um, I don't know exact exactly the details of it, but it, it just doesn't look like a a good deal. Here's the thing, though. He kind of puts himself in possibly a worse position if that happens, because in theory, at least, so in my head, like I'm not, I'm not a promoter. I'm not, I don't know the numbers or anything. I'm not out here pocket watching. But it's like if you put it off more, then the demand to face a premier opponent is greater. So it's like, do you fight? You kind of put yourself in even a, a bigger catch twenty two if you. If if it's his hand that's saying I'm not going to fight till Cinco de Mayo 2021, um, you know, to what extent the zone would kind of like act on in that breach of contract is like, so should you fight three times in 2021? Maybe like a tune-up early January and then a premier opponent in Cinco de Mayo? Like, I don't know. Yeah, what, what I was going to say was this, was that it's, it's two things for me here that's playing out. One, it's business. You know what I mean? Like the zone... You got the mm-hmm. pandemic going on. They're trying to make money. I think they lose a lot of money based on the fact that they just can't generate um, the revenue that they thought they were going to be able to make with that app. So that's one thing. And they, they flushed out all of that money. And they're not, they're not seeing a return on that money that they, they um, issued out. So it's business. And so Canelo's just get caught up in that business. And the reason why, the other, other reason why I'm saying that is because if you look, his last five opponents he played for Golovkin, Golovkin, he fought Danny Jacobs, he fought Kovalev. Like, that's a <laughs> premier opponent. Like, what else do you want him to do? You know what I mean? Based on that. So, yeah. I just, he caught up yeah. right now. And, um, you know, it, it's just the fact that the zone trying to, you know, get the money back for, for that huge contract that they gave him. Uh, also, with Canelo, is. To me, like after you fight that caliber, those caliber of opponents, especially with Jacobs and then you had Kovalev, I can see him getting a light touch next. Like that, that's something that I don't really. I, I hear a lot of people who are complaining about it, but I, I really don't mind that. If if you're going to fight a premier opponent after that, because you deserve it, you can't fight everybody. Can't be just a, a top notch opponent that you're facing. You, you you can't expect that out of people. And so I, from Canelo's yeah. standpoint, I kind of understand. Yeah. It sounds like the zone was, you know, on the upstart, they was, they threw a lot of money at him because they, they thought they had something. I mean, they, they do have something in terms of like launching a platform, 
but it threw a little bit more than, you know, they probably should have. And rightfully he signs the deal. And so now they're kind of like, Hey, but you know, you guys are the ones that signed the check. So I don't know what to tell you. Just know. Yeah. The funny thing about it is we, we, I knew we knew that going in that, that, that was a lot of money. And of course, Canelo was going to sign for it, but we kind of knew that, you know, the zone uh, probably wasn't going to, it was going to be hard for them to, to provide that cash flow given, you know, the, 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 uh, the roster that, that they do have, which they have some, you know, a few stars, but that's it. it they don't have anyone that's going to continuously generate that money. They don't have like a, a, a base really like, you know, other promotions have. Mm. All right. For, for that type of money he got, you got to have fights that just shut everything down. Okay. Canelo's fighting. Everybody wants to see that on a Saturday night. You know what I mean? That's the type of that they gave them, but you're not going to get a return on the fighters that they have in their stable. You're just not going to do it. Right. They, they created a demand that they can't meet, yeah. which is on, is on them, really. Yeah. yeah. And another topic uh, we, we said that we're going to discuss was the gentleman named uh, Udenis, uh Ugas. He has a fight coming up this weekend. Y'all want to say, you know, miss a few things about him? Yes. Uh, Udenis Ugas, uh, underrated fighter today. Tough guy. Uh, a big welterweight. A strong welterweight. Like, uh, he may not have, uh, you know, this crazy punching power, but he's physically strong. I, I think we saw that even in the Porter fight. Porter was kind of like apprehensive to to even wrestle with him. You know, the guy's is is big. He, he seems like the type that's probably going to be avoided in the welterweight division, um, unless you know some people decide to step up and want that smoke. Um, but we'll we'll see. Um, I don't know too much about Abel Ramos. Uh, he has a respectable uh, resume that, uh, that I'm looking at. Um, so it should be an interesting fight to watch. I, I agree with everything you said, Phil. In terms of where he fits in in the, in the grand scheme of welterweight, based on what I saw with the Porter fight, he's obviously game, very underrated. But in terms of like with the elites, I don't I'm not sure how marketable he is, right? So he either has to win convincingly versus a Thurman or a Garcia or even a Spence if he were to get that fight, or he got to win by knockout because he'll kind of be in a spot where he keeps winning these eliminators and getting a chance to fight, you know, a champ and then getting that, that treatment. You know, it was, it was highly debated, relatively highly debated that he won that Porter fight. And it's like... Unfortunately, the way boxing is currently constructed and has always been constructed, I just see him getting ported every time he gets the chance at elite level. You know. Oh yeah, he is, and that's what I was going to uh, mention. That's a very good point. He's not going to get the benefit of the doubt just based on the fact that if if they're going to be fair about the situation, the promoter is going to lose money by giving Ugas the decision in a close fight. It's just not going to happen. I thought he beat Porter. But as far as without all of the business and stuff like that in it, just talent-wise, I think he's he's like up in the middle of the pack. Like, I think wherever Porter is, that's where he is. You know, he, For sure. he's that caliber of fighter. And that's why I say, man, I, I hate that the business and stuff like that is continually 
um, or continuously, you know, having adverse effects on the beautiful sport of boxing because we can't get the fights that we want to see. That man, after that Porter fight, so at least his name should be in, in conversations with a Thurman, with the Crawford, you know, with some of those other guys, uh, Garcia. You know, he, he deserves those type of fights, and we deserve to see how he stacks up against that those caliber of opponents as well. And, and speaking on that, and we, which we probably should have talked about this, the uh, fight last week. That's I knew Postal wasn't going to get that decision. It was too close. Mm-hmm. Even if on the scorecards he won by a point or two, they were not going to give him that win. Probably. You know? So, yeah, that's, that's my yeah. take on it. You, you, you got anything else that y'all, you fellas want to talk about? Who could you guys see in him fight? You know, like, like I feel like I feel like a good measuring stick for him would be somebody like a, a Pacquiao. Like Pacquiao doesn't have he's you know, he's he's kind of over the hill in boxing years, but um he, he kinda he, he has the O out the way, like long out the way, you know, so it's not like it'll be a marketability issue in terms of like they would rob him to like save Pacquiao's career or anything of that nature. It'd be it would be kind of like another good measuring stick to see where, where he's at, like middle of the pack. Um, is he kind of upper middle pack or you know lower middle pack, mid tier? You know, Danny, something like Danny, that. I think that he would give most of those guys a good run for their money. Only reason I would see him against Pat, Pat to me at this stage of his career, I don't want to see him. That could be a Jeff Horn type situation where even though he's fighting, Jeff Horn wasn't as good to me. But Ugas is better, but I don't know if Manny can get up for Ugas at this stage of his career. You know what I'm saying? He needs like a challenge that's going to keep him motivated to train. Um, But you know, as far as without all of that, yeah, that would be a good matchup. I just don't know if Manny will be able to get up for him. I think uh, I think Ugas will be an excellent fight for uh, for Bud Crawford. Um, We see that. Top rank needs that opponent. We see that you know there's a. Uh, we don't know how much they're willing to pay out, but since Ugas doesn't necessarily have a belt, you know he's ne- he's not necessarily. Uh, even though he's a he's a he's, he's a top rated opponent, but it's not he's not exactly one that's very marketable and can bring in a, a lot of money. So I think that's a good uh, measuring stick uh, for even Bud Crawford. I mean, I think Ugas is a tough fight. You know, and I think that would be an interesting one to watch. And that's one that top rank doesn't have to shell out, you know, um, a lot of PBC money for. Mm-hmm. I'd be here for that. Absolutely. Any Anything else we need to touch on before we get into our, you know, what we came here for? I think we nailed it. All right, cool. All right, so once again, folks, we're going to go ahead and go to these uh, – our top 10 fighters of the past decade. And so no fights that's in the year 2020 on. Um, 2020 is the cutoff. So any fight that happened in 2020, it doesn't count. It doesn't apply to our list. Now, for my rankings, I, I go with the criteria of quality of victories throughout that time frame, um, the achievements that the fighters had throughout that time frame. I'm looking at their skill level. And then I'm also uh, giving them points for the impact that they made on the sport within that 10 year period. So that's a total of a hundred points, 30 points for the first three, and then 10 points for impact. 
All right, so before we get started, I'll start us off. I got a bonus guy who didn't make the top uh, 10 of the, that past decade, and that's my main man, the Browns bomber, uh, Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder, he got 23 points from quality of victories, biggest victories, those two wins over Ortiz. He had the draw with Fury in 2019. Um, Wilder had 10 title defenses. Uh, I get, like I said, I get 23 for quality of victories. 22 for achievements, you know, having those 10 title defenses. And then I gave him 22 for skills. And some people will give him lower points and skills, but I think that right hand is such a dynamic force that I, I upped it. And I think that he has more skills than what people think. He tries to set you up. He tries to lure you in to um, put you in a position where you can drop that right hand on you. So um, I gave him 22 there. Then I gave him eight for impact, you know, Bronze Bomber, he was all over the place, you know, on TV, marketing himself well. So, but he's my honorable mention. Now, getting to my list, the number 10 fighter of the decade. And again, I might be lowballing this guy. You know, it's just for me, when I look at him fight against the opponents that he fought throughout the decade, sometimes he shows me something a little bit more than what I expect. But at the same time, I still haven't seen that fight that would let me know that he's one of the top fighters um, in a sport like them, saying as far as skills, you know. But anyway, my number 10 fighter is going to be Alexander Usyk. Um, Alexander Usyk was several title defenses in the cruiserweight division. He went 17 and 0 throughout that period of time, 22 points for quality of victories. And again, it could be due to my ignorance. I don't really know the guys that he fought. I really wasn't big on a cruiserweight division. I'm just basing on the highlights and some of the fights that I saw, like the Huck fight. Um, there was a couple other fights that I saw him fight. He surprised me in the Huck fight, but um, 26 points for achievement. So the, the undisputed, I didn't give him 30 because of the fact that, again, you can wipe out a division that just doesn't have good chaps. You know what I mean? Do I give you a whole bunch of points for that? But the fact that you were the undisputed champ, or you was the undisputed champ, I got to give you a high um, amount of points. And then 23 for the skills. Like I said, sometimes he surprised me. And then I gave him four for impact. I don't think the everyday average fight fan knows who Alexander Usyk is, so I can't give him how many points in that area. So altogether, he got 75 points. So my number 10 fighter, on my pound for pound list for the decade is Alexander Usyk. So to the to back up my criteria, I I did not kind of I, I didn't score it necessarily. I kind of I tested each of these things, but uh, it was more or less the same as yours, Will. But it was it, it came down to me to for how much work did you put in um, in terms of like were you were you busy during that decade or what? Um, who did you who did you fight and who did you beat? What was the magnitude of that win? And did you maximize the potential your potential as a fighter? And you know that's that's something that's kind of an eye test anyway, which uh, we'll get into later on. Um, my number ten has a special place in my heart, kind of because uh, I saw him fight at Madison Square Garden in 2015, and to this day it's still the best in terms of environment. That's still the best fight that I've ever been to. Um, I had Gennady Golovkin for number 10. Uh, he was 22-1-1 one one for this decade. Um, he had some quality wins against Jacobs, 
uh, Danny Jacobs. If you want to count the Kell Brook win, fine. Uh, Devrianchenko was was a quality win. Canelo is worth mentioning because he fought him. He he went one he went zero one against him. I personally thought he was one and one, but um, I can only go by what the judges scored. Um, it's kind of unfortunate for him because he was kind of a boogeyman for a lot for at least half the decade. But then, kind of the knock I had against him was, all right, so you was a boogeyman, and then. You know, he, he fought Danny Jacobs back in 2017 to, to lead that Canelo fight in 2017 as well. By that time, he kind of he kind of lost his boogeyman appeal, and it's like, okay, you're Triple G, you're not the boogeyman no more. You can get fights. Who did you fight, Triple G? And um, so in, in 2018, he fought. I don't even want to butcher this guy's name, but I never heard of him before Triple G fought him. And out, and then after the second Canelo fight, he fought Steve Rose, and so it's like. You know, you you could have got better fights than that, and so I kind of had to knock him down for that. So I had Triple G for number ten. Okay, um, I've also had some honorable mentions. Uh, some of the criteria that I looked at, I looked at um, how active they were throughout the decade. I looked at their um, measure of competition. Uh, have they been on top level? Uh, I did have a rule, and I kind of strayed away from that rule a little bit. I had a rule that they had to be uh, fight five years or more on a championship level. Um, and because of that, one of the guys uh, didn't make the list that I thought uh, went on a good run on the second half uh, of the decade, and that was uh, Errol Spence. He had one of my honorable mentions. Uh, he went on a run, which started with uh, Chris Algieri. Uh, then he went on to to, to take out Kell Brook and um, uh, his fight with Sean Porter and Lamont Peterson. Uh, even though Peterson might have been on the downside, but he's a certain level. He's a, a tough fighter to, to, to beat and is a good scout to have, especially if you stop him. Uh, I thought uh, he, he just barely missed my list because of uh, he just got started in pretty much 2016. Uh, one guy who was kind of opposite with that was Deontay Wilder. He just missed my list. Uh, he actually is probably one of the more consistent fighters as far as fighting on a certain level uh, the past 10 years. I mean, he's he's been doing it since, like, what, 2013, I think, uh, that he's been, you know, knocking guys out. Uh, and he, he, he's been beating a lot of contenders, you know, Bermain was a, a pretty tough guy. You know, he, he stopped Areola. You know, um, you got to count those Fury fights against him. Had he won those fights, I mean, he would have been pretty much on the list. Had he won the, the, the first fight, he probably would have been on the list. Had he fought Joshua one, he would have been on the list. Um, so that was an honorable mention. Uh, but my number 10 guy was the guy who beat him, uh, Tyson Fury. Uh, he currently the man at, at heavyweight. Uh, he's probably the most dominant champion since uh, Vladimir Klitschko. You know, he, he beat the man, he, uh, Vladimir Klitschko. He was the, the first to do it in a long time. Um, then he uh, went on to, to, to defeat Wilder. You know, he, bought, he started with Derek Chisora, which at the time he was a, a pretty much underrated guy. Um, probably isn't as good as he used to be now um, and he did stop Steve Cunningham which is a, 
a tough guy, tough guy that a lot of people kind of underrate. So my number 10 guy was uh, Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King. My number nine guy, um, another guy that's that's actually been more, been been more on, spent more years on a uh, championship level than I thought he he did, and that was Terrence Bud Crawford. Uh, he started with uh, Ricky Burns when he um, fought for the lightweight title, and actually between that time and now, um, even though he had has not done it at welterweight. He's been the man at lightweight and light welterweight, and I have to get him a tons of credit for that. It's not really easy to do, especially if you become undisputed. A lot of guys, you know, stray away from being undisputed. They don't want to fight all the guys in their weight class. But um, minus their promotional issue, a lot of times it doesn't happen. But because of the promotional issue going on at 147, and we, we're going to have that problem eventually probably at 154 that it's a lot of fights that's probably not going to happen or going to be going to happen late. But uh, Terrence Crawford, uh, he beat a, a undefeated Gamboa. I mean, people act like, like, you know, Gamboa is just a, you know, a bum. But Gamboa was undefeated at the time. I mean, of course, he's always, he always going to be uh, vulnerable to getting, you know, stopped eventually in his career. But it hadn't happened yet before that time. Uh, he fought, and Crawford fought Beltran, who was also uh, an underrated tough guy, you know, uh, Arme. Uh, then he fought some interesting guys. With Victor Posto, that was a good win for him. We saw how, what Posto, Posto can do last week, you know. Uh, he's a, a tricky fighter. And Crawford basically not, just basically uh, dominated the entire fight. Uh, and actually – Crawford, to his credit, has more zeros on his record. He took more zeros than a lot of guys realize. So uh, that's my number nine guy, Terrence Bud Crawford. All right, so my number eight fighter is Vasil Hightech Lomachenko. Lomachenko went 14-1. Um, the sole loss was to Salido. He has um, big victories over Gary Russell. Um, I mean – Kind of a big victory over Rico coming up two weight classes. I gave him um, some points for the Linares fight. I think in my top 10, the worst loss taken or the worst opponent that one of these guys lost to was Salido. Um, when it comes to quality victories, I gave Lomachenko 23 points. When it came to achievements, 24 points. Um, when it comes to skills, I gave him 26. I mean, it, that's high, but I'm, when I'm thinking about the elite fighters of that decade, I think that's an appropriate um, amount of points to give them. And then as far as impact, I think in the boxing circles, you know, he's made an impact. But again, I just don't think he's a guy that your casual, a lot of casual fans know about. So if it's like a huge event or something like that, I don't think a lot of people would tune in to see high tech, unless he fight um, one of those guys um, – you know, maybe a tail female Lopez fight may put him in that um, category. Maybe a uh, Tank Davis fight will put him in that category. But we have yet to see him fight at that level to draw a lot of attention. So I have Vasil Lomachenko at number nine. So for my number nine, I'll just say, Will, if you lowballed him, then I did too. I had Alexander Usyk at number nine. Uh, you pretty much said everything there is to say about that. Um, 
what he had going for him in the decade. He just started in a decade, but the magnitude of his wins in terms of really maximizing his ability in a short amount of time. Um, it's unfortunate that his heavyweight career hasn't really panned out yet, but I mean, there's time for that. It just doesn't, I can't really count that for the past decade. So I have to take what he did in this decade or in that decade for what it is. And so based on that, he was my number nine. And my number eight, um, Lavelle, you did a great job of covering him already. So I won't say too much to that, but uh, I had Terrence Crawford at number eight. Um, he had some quality wins. Like you said, he took more people's oath than, than he gets credit for. He unified at 140, uh, which does not happen often. Three-division champ. Uh, my only knock against him, which is why I had him so low, was did he maximize his potential? And, uh, I, you know, I can't say that he, he has. You know, uh, that's what we talked about on several episodes up to this point. Um, he just really, we just don't really, we haven't really been able to see what he's capable of at 147 yet. And so I can't really give him credit for that when he hasn't done it. So that was my number eight. All right. So my number eight is also Terrence Bella Crawford. And I always was told, say nothing that is not a substantial improvement on silence. So you guys already said a lot about him. Only thing I can't say that you didn't say is the points that I gave him to make him my number eight fighter. And so I gave 22 points for quality of victories based on what you guys mentioned of him not having a signature victory. Um, 26 points for achievements. I gave him points because of the fact that he won titles in different weight classes. He was undisputed champ in one of those weight classes. Skills, I gave him a 28. Would have got a 30. Sometimes Terrence Crawford puts himself in a position to be hit a little bit more than he should. So it took a couple points off of that. And then the impact. His impact is based on the fact that he still has to maximize his potential. And so I gave him a five there. He had 81 points. So that's my number eight fighter. Yes, my number eight fighter is uh, Dr. Steelhammer, Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, it's surprising that he made my list, but it's it's also a testament to how much we forget after, or how much I've even forgotten after 2015, 2016. He was the dominant force at heavyweight. He was the man to beat. Uh, in 2010, started off, he, you know, he had, uh, he knocked out Eddie Chambers. Eddie Chambers, a very um, tricky fighter, very, you know, defensive fighter. Uh, Eddie Chambers, actually the one who, who ended Calvin Brock's career, pretty much. Uh, we saw what uh, Klitschko did to them both, but he started off in 2010 with that win against Eddie Chambers. Uh, then it was the rematch against Sam Peter, who a lot of people um, thought Sam Peter, you know, did a, even though Peter was being dominated in the first fight, he was able to get some knockdowns on, on Klitschko. And we saw how Klitschko turned that, that, that rematch around and just basically just annihilated Sam Peter. Um, and, and basically took him out. Then Klitschko has some uh, some good wins against David Hay, and you know, uh, also uh, Povetkin. He has Povetkin on his record, um, which he pretty much uh, dominated that fight. Um, then Brian Jennings, who was a, a undefeated fighter at the time, some people thought he was going to be the future of the heavyweight division, and Klitschko proved ever 
uh, otherwise. Uh, but Klitschko has some pretty decent wins. And I think uh, in as the years go by, I think people are going to look at him more in a positive light uh, versus how they were looking during the, quote, Klitschko era, unquote. So that's my number eight, uh, Gladmere, Dr. Steelhammer Klitschko. All right, so my number seven fighter of the decade. Um, again, this might be a surprise to some people, but it isn't to me. Uh, this is Danny Garcia. I got him. I, 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 Danny was really good to me at um, Junior Welterweight. And I don't think that people understand, like, the significance of the fight that he had with Matisse. Matisse, again, I, you know, I mentioned this in the previous t- um, show, that you know he was the boogie man. Matisse knocked out uh, Peterson in the second round, and a lot of people did not want to mess around with him. He has that victory. Amir Khan, when he was Amir Khan, that was he actually in that fight was the underdog. Uh, he probably was the underdog against Matisse too, but he came through, and you know he took out Amir Khan. You know he got those two belts, you know, or two. Um, titles that he won in different weight classes. Though so he, he was a champion, um, two belt champion at Junior Welterweight. Then he had the Welterweight title. Um, it's a case to be made that the man is undefeated. It's, there's a case to be made. But let's even go with the fact that he has those two losses on his resume. He still has a re- very, very good resume. Um, as far as the points that I gave him, I gave him um, 26 for quality of victories. Even if you go down to the other fighters that he fought, Mark Peterson, you know, like the Kendall Holt fight, the Zab Judah. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, he has some really solid wins. You know, you got the achievements I just mentioned about as far as the belts in the junior welterweight. And then as far as the skills, I give him a round of 24. You know, I give him a round of a solid 24. Um, and then as, as far as the impact, you know, Danny has a strong following. You know, he's going to sell out. You know, the stadiums, you know, a lot of people are going to watch them on TV. So when it comes to that, I gave him a seven. So he had an 82 points. So he was my number seven fighter in the past decade. For my number seven, I don't know if I lowballed him. I don't know if there's something that I'm missing in terms of what he has accomplished up to this point. Um, He... He won the World Bantamweight Series trophy. Um, this guy is 19-0 for the decade. Um, he has a quality win against Donaire, three-division champ. I have Anui at number seven. And, um, you know, I, I checked some other just to kind of give my own list of litmus tests. I, I checked some other boxing publications, websites, in terms of how they ranked fighters for the decade, and he was higher than number seven. And based on what I saw from there, I just, for myself, I just couldn't convince myself to rank him higher, so I had him at number seven. Number seven on the list, and I have to agree with, with Wilton. Uh, I tried to, to when, when his name came up, I thought about it like, man, hmm, that's interesting. But when I looked at his resume, he definitely earned it, and that's Danny Swift Garcia, um, like uh, Terrence Crawford, in a similar way, he was the man at light welterweight, the man to beat. Um, 
we, he, he earned that right by beating the boogeyman, which is Matisse, when a lot of people thought he was afraid. And Matisse, I remember when Golden Boy was, was beginning to market Matisse as their version of Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> I vividly remember that. And, uh, of course, Danny Garcia put a stop to that. But he has a respectable uh, resume. Um, he started off the decade uh, defeating Nate Campbell, who's a, a tough competitor, uh, underrated uh, fighter, in my opinion. Uh, the Kendall Hope. Um, um, then he fought Eric Morales. Uh, that was a particular fight, to which, um, you know, Mor- Morales probably did better than expected, you know, being on the downside. But then Danny changed that in a rematch and, and pretty much knocked Morales out. Uh, then there was the, you know, Amir Khan fight where Amir Khan was basically using the speed against Danny and Danny was cut. And and he, instead of breaking down and, 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 and having a breakdown in the middle of the ring, he decided to end that fight and decide to, you know, I'm going to take matters in my own hands and change this fight around. And that's what he did. Um, and Amir Khan was highly rated at that time. Then he went on to, you know, face, you know, Zab Judah, who was the legend in his own right. Um, a close fight with Robert Guerrero, uh, who he beat. And then there was, there's the fight with uh, Thurman and Porter, which were close fights that he could have uh, went his way. There's a case, it's a strong case for Danny Garcia being the third king in the welterweight division. He's never really been, you know, dominated or comfortably beaten at all. So that's my number seven pick. Uh, Danny Swift Garcia. Number six on my list is uh, Vasily High Tech Lomachenko. One thing I like about Lomachenko, aside from his talent, is that he really wanted that smoke and he went for the smoke early. Uh, of course, in his second fight, he you know he lost to uh, Salido. Um, in a fight where Vito came in overweight and, you know, it was a lot of uh, ruggedness and low blows being thrown during that fight. But the very next fight, he takes on Gary Russell Jr., who is very, very underrated, even today. You know, um, I always liked uh, Gary Russell Gary Russell Jr.'s Spartan lifestyle and, and, and the way he fights. Um, and Vasily Lomachenko basically, it seems like he took something from from uh, Gary Russell, not in terms of uh, physicality, but just pride, pride-wise, he took something from Gary Russell, and Gary Russell never really got over that loss. Then Lomachenko goes on to, to uh, take on other guys, like he knocked out Roman Martinez. He made Nicholas Walters quit, and Nicholas Walters was undefeated, running through everyone, and Lomachenko pretty much um, decided that Loma, Nicholas Walters is not even on my level. Then... Um, we saw what uh, Lomachenko did with Rigondeaux. Who Rigondeaux, of course, was moving up two weight classes. A lot of people were ducking him, but still, Rigondeaux has that defense and counter punching and boxing ability. And Lomachenko turned around on him. Uh, I I think Lomachenko uses size a lot. That fight, in my opinion, was a lot like watching Floyd Mayweather against um, Juan Manuel Marquez. Uh, then he goes on for, and beats. Uh, Linares and, and Luke Campbell and, and his resume speaks for itself. He's earned his position. That's my number uh, six. Vasily High Tech Lomachenko. All right, cool. So my number six is going to be the fighter that 
My man, man, Danny Swift Garcia is signed to fight next. And that's going to be Errol the Truth Spence, the Truth. And that decade, obviously, whatever his record is now, is going to be his record for the decade because he started um, during that time. So his record is 26 0 and 21. Um, he has big victories. They give him a whole bunch of points for going there to Sheffield to beat Brooke. He has the win over Porter. And then I'll get to the um, Garcia win that he had in a second. But in that time frame, he accumulated the IBF belt, WBC belt. And then he also was very avoided for from around like 2015 or so up until like 17, 18. Even after he got the belt with Brooke, I'm not so sure that it was many fighters that wanted smoke with Spence. And then um, also, you know, since that time, he's become a pay-per-view star. You know, he, he um, announced his fights on PBC, or he was announcing fights on PBC. So he's made a, a pretty good name for himself within that time frame that we're talking about. Quality of victories, I gave Spence 27 points just based on the fighters I told you he fought. I gave him 25 points for achievements. He's done really well in that time frame. Um, skills you know, 25 in that area, and then he got eight for impact. Just like I said, within that time frame, he had that um, pay-per-view fight that did really well um, at Cowboy Stadium. And then I, I went out there the year before to see him have his homecoming, and I'm talking about he just had the whole city was out to see Errol Spence, which was very – like it was. It, he's like the next team. So you got the Dallas Stars, you got the Cowboys, you got – um, the Mavericks, then it's Errol Spence. You know what I mean? That's how it was at that time. So for me, my number six fighter is going to be the truth, Errol Spence. All right. So my number six, you guys haven't mentioned him yet, so I don't know if I have him low or if he's on your – well, he's probably on your list. But um, at any rate, I'll kick it off. I had – I'm just going to get right into it. I had Manny Pacquiao at number six. Manny Pacquiao was 12-4 and four for the decade. He had some quality wins, a good amount of quality wins against uh, Mosley, Marquez, Bradley, Matisse, and most recently, Thurman. Um, he had his four L's was against Marquez also, against Tim Bradley, Jeff Horn, and Mayweather. Um you know, I don't really agree with two of those L's, but, you know, I have to go, again, I have to go with what the judges scored. Um, I give Pacquiao credit because he, you know, he just had, he sustained greatness for so long. Um, but, you know, based on the other fighters, I had to put him in number six. So going into number five, I actually had Errol to two Spence as well. Uh, Will, you're a Texas guy, so there's no way I could do Spence the justice that you did him. And so um, I'm not really going to touch on much of anything. I'll just add that I I gave him number five based on just like you, his record and the quality of his wins. And just he's been, even though he started late in the decade and was avoided, he just he just been busy. So, uh, which was in line with my criteria of how much work you put in. Okay. 
Uh, number five on my list is uh, Gennady Triple Golovkin. Um, interesting about him, even though he didn't have those quality wins because a lot of people were ducking him. Uh, he had a, he's had a belt since the, the start of the decade. Um, he'd be a lot of people who are you know pretty much contenders, journeymen, or on the downside. Like uh, you know, Kasim Uma actually was the first fight I saw of him, um, and even Kasim Uma was you know gave him a little trouble actually, but he stopped Kasim Uma, who up to that point had shown a tough chin. We saw you know Uma you know was walking right through and took a whole bunch of shots from uh, Jermaine Taylor. Um, and, and, and actually, I was scared for Uma after that fight. Um, and then Golovkin, you know, fights other tough guys, such as uh, Gabriel Rosado, who was a tough competitor, tough competitor, uh, blood and guts type of guy. Uh, then Ashida, um, Gennady shows his power against Ashida, knocks him out in the third round. Um, then he goes on and fights uh, Matthew Macklin, uh, who's another, you know, pretty much contender, but he's wiping these guys out in the third round and, and, and early in the fights when it's taken, you know, a guy like Sir, uh, Sergio Martinez a little longer. And we, we knew Sergio Martinez wasn't going to fight uh, Triple G. He, he was kind of ducking them. Uh, even when after Cotto won that middleweight title from uh, Martinez, he didn't want to fight Triple G. So, and at the time, Canelo was still at 154. So, um, from that time on, Triple G was pretty much the man to beat at that weight class until um, Canelo pretty much went and, and got that crown from him. Um, and it wasn't for, and even the first fight from Alvarez, I thought uh, Triple G won that fight. Now, you know, the second fight I had, uh, Canelo win in that fight. Now, regardless, if Canelo didn't exist, I mean, Triple G would still be the man, he'd be undefeated, uh, if not for Canelo Alvarez, you know, who was pretty much a top fighter. So that's my number five on the list, Gennady Triple G Golovkin. All right, so my number five fighter of the decade is going to be the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Uh, Tyson Fury in that decade, he had to draw with Wilder, but really the big thing on his resume was putting a halt to the Klitschko reign. And the way that he went about doing it, he got all in Klitschko head. Um, he was putting his hands behind his back. He was doing the unthinkable against somebody who was dominant in a weight class as long as Klitschko was in that weight class. So, again, he gets high regards in that just for doing that alone. Um, you know, five champ, you know, uh, won the belt twice. With Fury, when it comes to my criteria, 27 points for quality of victories because of the Klitschko fight coming back to um, – you know, after that long layoff and almost beating Deontay Wilder, you had the achievements, like I say, unified champ coming back. Um, the unified champ, that, that, that's enough to give him, you know, 20, especially the heavyweight division also. And then the skills, I gave him a 26. Again, I think with him, um, his skill level, is, is, is subtle things that he do. I don't think like the average boxer fan, they'll look at him and just, Think that he's just a sloppy big guy, but he's he's more so um, what I would call just like awkward, unorthodox, and he he knows how to use his awkwardness to be effective. And so um, I gave him twenty six points as far as the skills, and then his impact. 
I gave him a six with impact. I still don't think, you know, and the reason why I didn't give him higher points is because like when he's fighting those guys like Tom Schwartz and stuff like that, those fights don't really appeal to the masses. So I didn't put his, um, give him a lot of points in that category. But my number five fight is the Gypsy King Tyson Fury. He keeps surprising me too. I, when I create my list, I don't think he's going to be as high as he is, but somehow he always um, enters my top five when I do lists. My number four, I thought this guy was going to be higher. But um, number four, I got Canelo Alvarez. You know, I gave him 30 points for quality of victories because within that time frame, I just rattled off a couple wins that he had against Golovkin, you know, Laura Cotto, you know, the Kovalev fight. As far as the achievements, champion and junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight, like heavyweight, 30 points in that category. As far as the skills, I gave him 25. And again, that's just ranking them against these high-level fighters that that's in this um, in my top ten list, like or on my top ten list. If I was ranking them as far as skills, just in general, he would have more points. But I gave him twenty-five points there, and then as far as his impact, I gave him a seven, and he could have you know more points. But the controversy that you see now with him and being, he's he's just not. If if Canelo would give me just a little bit more when it comes to when he decides to fight a quality opponent, if he would just give me a little bit. I know that he fought Triple G, you know, um, Danny Jacobs. The time when he fought him and he put like the um, things inside the contract where you can only weigh this. Like when he, he's doing stuff like that, if he would just give me. Just give me a Charlo fight and, and no strings attached. We fight at this weight, whatever, and we're going to get it on. And you go ahead and knock somebody off like that, then you would get 10 points from me when it comes to impact and um, because you're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. But, you know, with that being said, he went 21, 22 and 1 and 1 with 13 knockouts within that time frame. And uh, he's the cash cow right now. So Canelo at 92 points is my number four fighter during the past decade. So um, my number four was your number five, Will. Um, I had the Gypsy King at number four. And just like you, I didn't think he would land as high as he did. When I looked at it, you know, he was 21 for the decade. Um, didn't have... A lot of quality of wins, but he stayed pretty busy. And my only really knock against him is just the time that he took off. And you can't really – it's hard to really penalize him for that, you know. Um, but I kind of – that's the only reason why he's so so low and just because he didn't fight. Just like you said, some of the fighters he fought in between. But, you know, he he beat Klitschko, which was huge. And that's why he was so high. He, you know, the magnitude of those wins, once again, he beat Klitschko. Um, and, you know, lineal is a word that's thrown around a lot. And, you know, a lot of casual fans don't really know what it means. But to, to put it in context, there, there's been four lineal champs in the heavyweight division in, since 2000, which has been Lennox Lewis, 
Hasin Rahman for a brief period in 2001, Klitschko, and then Fury. And he's never really lost it. And then he dared to be great by fighting Wilder. I personally think he's 2-0 against Wilder. But, um, you know, he's 1-0-1 on paper. But I thought he did enough to win a number My number four um, is Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. Uh, if you give him one more year <laughs> for the past decade, he, he will be higher. Uh, but he started off the decade, you know, strong with wins with uh, Joshua Clotty and Antonio um, Margarito, which on paper, yes, Antonio Margarito is, you know, a come for a fighter, but Margarito was a – pretty big guy, you know, pretty big guy for Pacquiao, who was barely uh, a welterweight, let alone a light welterweight. Um, then he fights, um, he gets the win from Shane Mosley, who, which is pretty much still a, a decent win. Um, a lot of people said Shane Mosley was on the downside uh, after that, but uh, fair enough, but he did, you know, Pacquiao did what he had to do against Shane Mosley. Um, he takes on Juan Manuel Marquez, you know, two more times. And the funny thing about uh, Marquez, and even to an extent Tim Bradley, he didn't have to take those fights. He definitely didn't have to take uh, take on Marquez, especially after uh, getting that draw and a win the first two times. He could have basically said whatever. But he kept giving Marquez uh, time, an, another shot. And you, if you fight, most guys, if you fight them three, four times, eventually they're going to, you know, figure you out and catch you, you know, and that's what eventually happened. And with Tim Bradley, um, that's a that's probably an underrated win because a lot of guys, um, Bradley is very underrated. You know, a lot of guys underrate him. Um, he's, not a lot of people were saying his name. A lot of top fighters was was were not saying Tilly Bradley's name. And one thing about Bradley, Bradley is that he comes in shape every single time. So he gives us all. He's not great at one thing, but he's above average at just about everything. Bradley doesn't have a lot of chinks in his armor. The only possible chink is is uh, lack of power. So then Pacquiao go on, and he's mind you, Pacquiao's on the downside while all this is going on. He, you, know, you know, he takes on, he dominates Brandon Rios, uh, gets two more victories over Tim Bradley. Of course, the Floyd Mayweather fight, uh, Floyd, you know, edge him out and uh, wins that fight comfortably. But that's Floyd, you know, and but the one win that puts um, Pacquiao that kept Pacquiao from being lower was the Keith Thurman win. Um, it's an undefeated Keith Thurman. Thurman was one of those kings of the welterweight division, and Pacquiao took that O from him. Um, and that's my number th- uh, three pick, Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. My number four pick, Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. And that brings me to my number three pick. And um, my number three is Andre, son of God, Ward. Now, Andre Ward probably has one of the better resumes of this list, and he, and he's been consistent um, most of most of the decade. The only possible not that you would have on his resume is one, uh, the first fight against Kovalev, and then that the fact that he got out about 2017, which takes you know three years off of that. But outside of that, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He basically won the Super Six tournament at the, you know, beginning of the decade. Uh, he didn't have to inch. He wasn't choosing who he fights. Those are fights are just determining who's the, the the man in the weight class. 
and he he proved himself to be the man. He beat everyone, cleaned out his own weight class. The only other person he didn't fight was Lucian Butte, and we and I believe he would have uh, beaten Butte easy. But then he takes on you know dangerous guys like uh, after the, the the Super Six with which he, he edged out Carl Frock, which is a, a great win. He beats Chad Dawson, you know. Uh, who at the time was the king of the 175 division. And, of course, Chad Dawson was a little drained. But Ward just basically beat, beat him down like it was nothing. Um, and then we go through a stretch where uh, Ward took a few years off due to pr- promotional issues, which uh, that's probably why he wasn't higher on my list. But then eventually he takes on Kovalev. And win or lose, whether you had a winner or losing, that fight won, that fight was close. Number two, he, he, he didn't have to take that fight. He took on Kovalev. Um, he proved that he wasn't afraid of him. And even and, and even if you had him losing the first fight, he rectified it in the second fight by basically making Kovalev basically squinch over and, and with body shots. You know? <laughs> so you got to give Ward his credit, and that's my number three. Andre, son of God, Ward. All right, so my number three, and again, if, if you guys touched on something, I'm not going to repeat. I'm just going to give um, you all the reason why the person made my list. No more information about him because that, that already has been covered. So my number three fighter is one person that you guys mentioned. That's Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao gave him 30 points for quality of victories. In that time frame, beat Bradley. He beat uh, Margarito, Clotty. And again, I'd love to see those two fights. Um Marquez, Thurman, um, you know, achievements. Come on, man. The man's a legend. You know, he, he won um, different belts. I know, well, he, if you want to give him the Margarito belt because they have to fight at a catch weight. But anyway, um, within that time frame, I gave him 27 points because he had some losses in there too. You know, you got the Horn loss. You got the Bradley loss. You got the Mayweather loss. But, you know, Pacquiao wanted that smoke. And even... Thurman fight is in that time frame too because they fought in 2019. Gave him, say, 27 for achievements. The skills were there during that time frame, 27 points. Um, impact. I gave the man, I probably should have gave him more. I, I gave him an eight. Um, but, you know, Manny Pacquiao is, is a true legend. So for him to even make my list is, is, is remarkable, you know after all of the competition that he went through, you know, and still being at his size, staying able to, still still being able to be such a high-level athlete, you know, throughout that time frame, to me, it's remarkable. But my number three fighter during the decade is Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Cool. So my number three I had, and again, I won't touch on what you guys have already touched on with this fighter. I'll just give my reasons for why I voted him the way I did. I have Vasily Lomachenko. He was 14-1. and one. Um, He won the gold medal in lightweight in 2012. Um, in his second pro fight, he dared to be great. He fought uh, Salido. Uh, he won his first belt in his third pro fight. And he has, given his weight classes and the times that he was in his weight classes, he had solid wins. So, um, the fact that he's been busy since he's been a pro, he's there to be great. Um, I have him at number three. And for number two, number two and number one was tough for me um, because they were kind of 
I, I had what I thought to be solid reasons between who to choose for either of those. Um, and I'll explain why I had Jensen Person number two. I had Floyd Mayweather Jr. at number two. Um, he was 10 and 0 over the decade. Obviously, the quality wins were there. He had Sugar Shane, Miguel Cotto, Canelo, Pacquiao, Maidana. Uh, he was unified 147 champ. Um, you know, he beat two people from, you know, from my list. So it was like, it, it, that, that was like my biggest argument to have him at number one. But then I sort of started to think about his wins. Like, I, I'm not knocking the wins, but kind of like a little bit of the same knock that, Will, you had against, um, I believe it was Canelo earlier, sort of like the timing and the demands at which he he fought these opponents was kind of like my main knock against him. In addition to the fact that he only fought 10 times this decade, the, the past decade. So, like, yeah, that, that's pretty obvious because it was just kind of, I think he still would have beat him, but just the fact that it, it happened so late. And then with the Canelo fight, um, you know, he, they, they were initially, and, you know, there's two sides to every story. So, um, but the, the point of the matter is, the fact that the matter is, um, Mayweather was the A side at this time. And so he kind of used the A side advantage as a fighter should do. So, me personally, I'm more inclined to believe Canelo's side. Now, Canelo hadn't fought at 147 since 2010. Um, this fight was in 2013, and during, as Canelo would tell it, they were always trying to get him to come back down to 147. And he would not do it. And essentially, they tried to get him to come in and catch weight until he just agreed to the number. So, it was kind of like, a, well, how about 150? No. How about 151? And I was like, no. And eventually, he eventually succumbed to 152. Um, I, I still, you know, he, he completely outclassed him. I can't, I can't knock that. It was just kind of like those demands. And, um, you know, Floyd was older, but Canelo was also still kind of green at the elite level. So it was just a timing thing. So I had him at number two. Okay. Uh, my number two fighter is uh, Saw Canelo Alvarez. Um, now his resume speaks for itself. Um, you take Floyd off the list, who was pretty much an all-time great. I mean, he's pretty much undefeated. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have a lot of blemishes on his record. I thought he did. Um, I thought Golovkin did win the first fight against him. But even even whatever way you had those fights with Golovkin, those are still two close fights, very close fights. Uh, and, both of them could have went either way, and it shows their, you know, their neck and neck. And I remember before that that fight with Triple G, a lot of people questioned whether uh, Canelo was on that level, and he's proven himself. And he, he went up and and um, took on Kovalev, someone who I'm not sure that even though we heard those spar rumors, I'm not sure if Triple G would have went up to a class to, to to take a fight like that. Um, uh, Alvarez's resume speaks for itself. Um, he's been on a championship level most of the uh, decade. Um, we saw him against, uh, I remember the, the Austin Trout fight. It, it was a fight that I would have, if I was his manager, I would have said, nah, we, we don't need Trout. He doesn't really bring much and he could possibly beat you. And even the other guy like Arislandi Lara, that's another guy 
that uh, it's not a lot of reward for beating someone like Lara. In actuality, uh, Arislandi Lara is a guy who I thought would have given uh, Floyd Mayweather tons of trouble. And because um, we never seen, we haven't seen Floyd fight those styles a lot. And when he did, those fights can't, you know, a guy like, you know, Zab Judah, a fast southpaw, could, you know, do some things that the, the normal, you know, Floyd opponent couldn't, can't do. Uh, we saw what uh, Canelo did against James Kirkland, and you know, of course, uh, I didn't. I we knew how the Amir Khan fight was going to go, um, but the, this crowning achievement of of that whole decade was, uh, you know, taking on Golovkin, and I believe that uh, he cemented himself as the, the number one pound for pound guy uh, currently today. So for that, you have to give him. I have to give him that number two, and that's us. Saw Canelo Alvarez. Yes, sir. So my number two fighter uh, of the decade is the son of God, SOG, Andre Ward. Um, with him, he, again, he went 11-0 during that, that time frame. Uh, as far as quality of victories, I, I gave him all 30 points. Carl Frock, uh, that Chad Dawson fight, gave him credit. You know, it, it, it was – if you're talking about five-star victories, I would give him a four. It would have been a five-star victory had they fought at Chad Dawson's weight. But Chad Dawson came down from light heavyweight to super middleweight to take on that task. But he the one who asked for it, so you can't blame Andre Ward. Then he had the two fights with Kovalev. You know, the first fight was controversial. Um, the second fight, no controversy at all. He KO'd or TKO'd Kovalev. And then also, um, as far as achievements, you know, super middleweight champ, light heavyweight champ. Um, some people regarding him as the pound, top pound for pound fighter, no less than number two. Um, the super six, you know, um, victory or, or super six title he won or championship he won going throughout that, through that stiff competition. Um, so as far as skills, come on, man, you got to get a man at 30. So you got 30 all across the board. The only thing that I took points off is the impact. You know, Andre Ward, to me, you know, if you're talking about inside of boxing, then it would be a 10. But if you're talking about outside of boxing, I just don't think he reached that height <clears throat> that will propel him to have the highest impact that you could have in the decade. And it could be the fact that he wasn't really a trash talk or anything like that. He did everything in the right way. And so maybe that's what kept him from reaching that next level. But as far as anything else, Andre Ward, you know, he deserved to be number one. But the guy that, you know, like I say, throughout that decade, some people consider him the number one fighter. Most people consider him number two. And just with on that list that people had of him throughout the decade is how it's going to be on my list. Because my number one fighter throughout the decade is none other than Floyd Money Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather gets hundreds. Or I should say hundreds. He gets 30s. He gets the 10 points for impact. You know, obviously he had the victories against Pacquiao, Canelo. You know, I even give him points for that Mosley victory, which was in 2010 when he got hurt a little bit, a lot in the second round, showed his, his goal and came back and won every second of the rest of the fight. Um, come on, man, this is the true cash cow. You talking about somebody... Canelo has a negotiated to get a deal with the zone. Floyd Mayweather had networks like he he shifted boxing. So if I, he went from HBO 
HBO basically don't even show fights anymore. You know, that's the ripple effect of Floyd Mayweather going to Showtime. You know, like this man is, 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 is a trendsetter, you know? I mean, even now, I'm sure, if you look on social media, Floyd Mayweather is probably the top fighter that people talk about or post information about, you know? So, you know, him and a, with his rivalry with, with Pacquiao, Floyd just knew how to market himself. So he gets 10 points in that category. I can go on and on and on about the gentleman as far as the skills, you know, the achievements, quality of victories. I don't hold anything against him because, again, when you put position yourself, when you put that work in like Floyd put in, you know, he set that groundwork. And then you're able to, like I said, position yourself and call shots like that, then you're on a different plane. You can't compare him to somebody else. Well, why didn't he fight this person? You should have, nah, you don't even move. When you're a boss, you don't move like that. You go, you, you make decisions when you want to make them. But unlike some of these other guys who are considered cash cows and things like that, when they take a fight off, they fighting somebody you never heard of. Floyd could, didn't, didn't have that luxury. So even on his off day when he's fighting somebody, a tune-up fight or a farewell fight, he's fighting a three-time champion or two-time champion like Andre Burton, somebody like that. So Floyd, to me, man, he's the gold standard, especially in modern-day boxing. So I salute the man. That's my number one fighter. And much respect, much love, and that's the end of my list. Man. You presented a very compelling argument for number one. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, like I said, I gave my reasons for why I had a number two. Uh, man, you, you make me have second thoughts. But um, my number one, I I had, I had Canelo. And it was kind of weird. I actually wonder why. Not why, but I actually wonder how different my list would have been if I would have had kind of like a scoring system like you did. But, um, you know, he had quality wins. No, uh, no doubt about that. Um, you guys already went over that. Um, he unified at 154. He had, uh, he, he was lineal at 160 in the sense that he beat the man and beat the man, but, you know, it was Kodo and we knew how Kodo was at that point. He went about at 175. I just, off the strength of him being being busy this decade and just the fact that he dared to be greater than Floyd to me personally in terms of who he fought and when he fought, fought him, that's why I gave it for him. But it's really like I could hear argument for him being number two and, and, and Floyd being number one easily. It was, it was super close. It's more like a 1A, 1B type thing to me. My number one, uh, I gotta give him, give it up to him. It's uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Money Mayweather, Pity Boy, whatever you want to call him. Um, love him or hate him, uh, I'm not a big fan of his persona per se, but I'm a I'm a big fan of you know his skill level and his dedication to his craft. And I believe that's what separates him from even the fighters that want to be like him or try to be like him. They may take things from his persona, but the, of course they don't train like he does. Like you see, you know, guys like you know, uh, I'm not going to you know mention any other guys' name because you know they don't need to be mentioned in the same breath with Mayweather. But a lot of guys they try to emulate you know some of the things he do, but the one thing they don't emulate is is the fact that he doesn't do drugs. He's not out drinking all the time. 
and he's he's always in the gym training when he has a fight, you know. Um, dedicated to his craft, he started off the the, the decade with a, a great win over Shane Mosey. Uh, it it was a, a a win that that pretty much changed uh, my view of him. My view of him. Uh, he's underratedly tough, you know. He he took the shot. Uh, it was still coming forward. Then a lot of guys he took on. He was taking on a lot of guys coming off of good victories, like Victor Ortiz was coming off that great victory with uh, Andre Berto. Um, Miguel Cotto had, was the champion at 154 at the time. Uh, Guerrero was coming out, also coming off a victory with uh, Andre Berto. Um, and he took on Canelo Alvarez, which was a uh, underrated win. I mean, at the time, a lot of people were saying Canelo was green, which sure he was, but he was the champion. He was a champion at 154. He, he was uh, still beating guys before that and beat guys after that. And he took on um, uh, Madonna. Um, and they, they took on the great Manny Pacquiao. And, and of course, that fight could have happened earlier. I think it would have been a more exciting fight. Floyd still probably would have won, but I think the fight would have been more interesting. And I think that fight, had it ha- happened earlier, would have been better for boxing in general. Even though it was bigger when it, when it happened, it would have been better back then because it would have been viewed better through the casual fans' eyes. Because now we ask casual fans about that fight or about boxing in general, the first thing they say, oh, boxing's boring, MMA this, MMA that, you know. And and this is the first fight they bring up in relation to that. Uh, the only knock on Floyd Mayweather is that he didn't really fight the, the, the latter part of the decade, he pretty much retired in 2017. For me, really, I, I have it in 2015 because Conor McGregor, I don't really, you know, count that. That's pretty much an exhibition like Ivan Drago against uh, uh, Apollo Creed to me, you know. So, um, but that you can't deny the, the, the first part of that decade that he pretty much did his thing. He did what he had to do and he left his imprint on boxing, you know, and that's my number one pick for uh boxer of the decade uh money floyd mayweather jr all right so now we're riding out at the end of the show i think everybody got their top fighters in uh really good job fellas man i like hearing you know the reasons why you guys um you know the fighters made your list so that's that's really good uh, information to hear Uh, i know i learned a lot and i didn't really even have to speak too much on this episode because you guys said so much you know so yeah, shout out to y'all. Anything else y'all want to, you know, touch on before we wrap things up? No, no. You good? I'm good. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I do. I, I want to touch on a couple things okay. really quickly. I, I got three things I want to talk about. One is, um, it's no fault, you know, we, we, we edit things out, and sometimes some things get edited. And um, But I just want people to know, by accident, and, and I, I'm not – saying anything, Danny, because you, you're the cold, you're the best uh, editor that we got in the game right now. You know what I'm saying? Anybody on this episode, too, if you need somebody to edit your stuff, you know, talk to this gentleman, Danny Lee. He, he's really good at what he what he does. He's, he's top five, dead or alive, when it comes to that. But uh, one thing that, that ended up getting edited out yesterday, I mean, last episode was on that pound for pound, not pound for pound, but our hypothetical matchups. You know, if y'all get a chance to check that out, my number 10 was um, edited out. And it's a dream matchup. You know, I'm really high on that one. That's one of the reasons why I'm missing this is that Errol Spence. If Errol Spence and, you know, Donald Curry ever could have clashed, that would have been something to see, especially for those people in the DFW. And the other reason why I'm mentioning that is because when I said something about that on social media, 
people were like, they thinking Errol Spence might be able to win. They thinking that Curry would, you know, so it, it went on and on. So I just want people who are listening to know on that last episode that that was one matchup that um, was missing. Um, but also with this episode, the last thing I'm gonna say about my list is another reason why, especially my top four, made it up that high on my list is because cause those guys are dedicated to the sport. I'm talking about Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward, Canelo, Manny. Like those guys, they are not going to disappoint you when it comes to making weight. You're not gonna see those guys. Um, you, you're not going to worry about if they're going to enter the ring and perform. You're not going to have to worry about that because they're so dedicated to it and they got such heart and hunger. They're not trying to lose anybody. You're going to have to defeat those guys, and it's not they're not going to defeat themselves. So that's one thing I want to mention about that. And, again, I'm saying this because I just want the game to get back where it's supposed to be. There's a lot of the nonsense in the game. The guys shouldn't be missing weight. You know, you shouldn't be looking at a fight and then this guy's not performing like he's supposed to perform because it looked like he didn't train or something's not right. So make sure that you dedicate yourself to the craft when it comes to um, fighters, you know, of this era. Um, outside of that, I think that's that's pretty much it. I might have had something else that I wanted to touch on, but we've been talking so much or it's been a long episode, so I don't want to – I might be forgetting something. But we good for the episode, fellas? Oh, uh, good. Yeah. I'll... Okay. So, yeah, well, I guess it's time for us to abandon ship. And uh, everybody, you enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Peace.